The News on CJOB with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham. Decision Manitoba 2019, the podcast. Hi, I'm Richard Cloutier. The leaders face off in hopes of winning your vote. The leaders debate. More power to the people. Likely the only debate of the campaign for your vote in the provincial election. Privileged to be a part of it, but we just scratched the surface. We inherited a massive mess from the previous government. Progressive Conservative Leader Brian Pallister. This election is about health care. NDP Leader Wob Canoon. Manitobans how freezing wages and Liberal Leader Dougald Lamont. There's a lot of signs of economic storms coming. We can see an inverse. And Green Party Leader James Bedham. They're raising it Some good exchanges between Pallister and Canoe, more now heat than light. But going back in time is not the answer. Every other city in Canada need has made the changes. Every other city in Canada has made the changes. And it's going to involve having more times than we do. Jobs people waiting. Less. Some instant analysis now in the minutes after the debate with Bonnie Staples-Lyon of Changemakers. She's a former film and government communications director and pollster Curtis Brown of Probe Research. So much of it was about, essentially, so many of the questions were directed at Brian Pallister, and I think we knew going in, and they knew going in, that he was going to be playing defense for a lot of it, and the other party leaders are going to be asking him a lot about his record, because that's what you do when you're as incumbent premier or incumbent prime minister, you're defending your record in these types of forums, and that's uh, that's essentially what he did. And I think, uh, uh, for the most part, I mean, uh, yeah, there were some bumpy moments, I think, for him, but I think he uh, kind of set out and did what he needed to do. Bonnie Staples' line, your first impressions. Well, when you come into it as the incumbent, it's yours to lose. And I thought uh, Pallister did well. Uh, he didn't do any missteps. I thought Wab Canoe did well. I was, um, it's unfortunate. It was Dugald Lamont's time to shine and win, and he just didn't seem to be able to focus. He, he came across a bit like an absent-minded professor. Uh, I did like the one-on-ones, but they weren't tight enough. They went on too long instead of getting to a question. It, it was more speechifying than anything yeah. else. And and that works against you, especially like I, it was unfortunate that Dougald, his last question to um, Wab Kane was like a softball, you know. You mm-hmm. said you were a Tory and then four months later you're an NDP. What happened? Yeah. That's such an easy answer. I very much identify with families who have trouble making ends meet at the end of the month who are concerned about affordability. And I take very seriously when I speak to seniors in my community who time and time again... Yeah, that was the thing. I think there wasn't... I was a little surprised by that because I thought that maybe in some of those one-on-ones the leaders might try to throw a little bit of a curveball, but you could see the lines that they were going down a mile away. Uh, Certainly, you know, Brian Pallister's questions were all about uh, how are you going to pay for everything to Wab Canoe. Wab Canoes are about, you know, about what are you going to cut. I mean, in in terms of the preparation, I mean, that's the first things that the party leaders would be preparing to answer. And so I think in that sense, it did it did feel very rehearsed, and and there there wasn't really anything I think that really would take anyone take anyone by by surprise in in that respect. And and so that, I think really I think if you're sort of thinking of memorable moments of those one on one exchanges, it really were the ones I think between Brian Pallister and uh, Wab Canoe, because I, I agree with Bonnie. I think the other two leaders uh, weren't, uh, and we didn't talk about James Bedham, but I think. Um, uh, they, they weren't they weren't quite um, up to it, I think, in the same way. With Curtis Brown of Probe Research and Bonnie Staples Lyon of Changemakers, let's get to the healthcare portion of the debate. I had the privilege of asking several questions, starting with Brian Pallister of the Progressive Conservatives. Nurses, doctors, technicians, and they say, well, in theory the plan works. The reality is, is that they're overwhelmed and overworked. What's your message to them? Mr. Pallister, and to those people that rely on those health care services that feel that, you know what, uh, we don't like this change right now. What's your message to them, sir? 
have courage and recognize that these changes have been implemented across our country, that they do work, that the wait times in Calgary, in Vancouver, in Ottawa, and many other centers are half what ours were under the NDP, and we are going in the right direction. I have tremendous respect for the people who work in our health care system, and I want them to understand and know that better care sooner is the goal, and it's worth the struggle to get there. The, the people I know in the healthcare system, and I know, I know many, want to see a system that works for patients better than the one that had us waiting longer than everyone else in Canada, that had us paying the highest So what do you think has gone Canada. wrong right now, though, We've sir. lowered the ambulance fees by half. We're, we are working very diligently to get these changes. The WRHA is working hard to make sure that we can see these positive changes, and they are starting to work. We've got the Victoria Hospital numbers, for example, our first, first one where we moved urge, uh, emergent care to a central location and beefed up our central emergency rooms. And we know there that the uh, wait times are down by 28%. Well, it gets already. us to Mr. Canoe and the NDP, because yeah. here you're looking at reopening the ERs at Seven Oaks and Concordia. And we all know that the most urgent cases, emergent cases, trauma cases, strokes, they go to one of the two teaching hospitals. So what precisely would occur under a reopened ER? What types of cases would we be talking about here? Because really, the reality is you need 24-hour staff diagnostics because otherwise a lot of those patients get transferred to the two teaching hospitals anyway. So let's dig deeper on your promise. Absolutely. I welcome the question. The reason why we need an ICU and emergency room at Concordia and Seven Oaks is because they are dealing with very serious patients with uh, the kidney conditions at Seven Oaks and then the hip and knee surgeries at Concordia. But in talking to the nurses who are turning away patients from St. Boniface ER and are heartbroken about this, they've told me that we need to be smart and we need to be careful. So I won't make the mistake that Mr. Pallister has, and that is rushing forward with changes strictly for political purposes. We'll reopen these emergency rooms when it is safe and when it is right to do so, because at the end of the day, we want to make health care better for patients right across Some Manitoba. answers from them. My frustration was the time ran out rather quickly, but I thought Bonnie Staples-Lyon, uh, Wab Canoe, answered my question on the closure of Concordia and Seven Oaks. I thought he did a good job at answering that question. I thought he did too. I thought he had done his homework and he was very good at it. I also thought that um, Brian Pallister was very good at reminding everybody that, you know, for 17 years you uh, had the worst outcomes, yet you spent more money. So, and I thought Wapkanu was very good at um, talking about frontline nurses. I mean, if he mentioned nurses once, it was about eight times, but that's his constituency and that's who he's hearing from. So I thought the two of them, you could tell who was seasoned. Yeah, definitely. And that is in an interesting point when you say seasoned, because I mean, this was also Wapkanu's first debate and uh, first leaders debate. And uh, he did, I think, actually, uh, I agree with Bonnie, I think, especially on that particular question, because he's been talking so much about health care in this campaign. And that is really the premier issue for the NDP that they're trying to make it about. Uh, he did seem like he was really uh, well prepared on that and was really talking, making some of those key points. Bonnie Staples line, does that become, though, the ballot box question? We always talk about what are you thinking about most when you go to the ballot box? The Premier would like you to be reminded of the NDP tax and spend and not accomplishing a lot in health care during their time, whereas the NDP want to remind you that Pallister has made some changes to health care, changes that uh, have hurt a lot of people. 
The NDP are going to keep going. That the changes and the the policy that Brian Pallister has done has hurt Manitobans, and they've got to go hard on it because that's their constituency, that's their base, that's top of mind. I have seen the premier though now focus more on you know what it has been tough. We had to do it, and now he's starting to remind people. Okay, for 17 years we spent more, had the worst results. You know what's the definition of insanity? So I don't know if he should have got to that sooner or not. But Wab was on message, and I thought the Premier was tonight as well. Yeah. Ballot box question. What is it at this point? Do we know? I think that's still, uh, yeah, that still is a really good question, I think. I, I'm not sure. Uh, I think certainly the NDP would like it to be about health care. I think for the Conservatives, it's very much about um, you've trusted us to clean up the mess. Uh, let us, you know, let, let us keep doing what we're doing. And we're going to fix the party's finances. I think in some ways, yeah, they are. It sort of depends on who they're talking to in terms of voters. I mean, certainly after the NDP, they're going to be aiming more at people who care more about spending and social services. For the Tories, it's going to be more about people obviously concerned about affordability and uh, and that sort of thing. But the progressive conservatives have spent a lot of time and effort saying, now that we've pretty well cleaned up that financial mess, we can now spend on services for Manitobans to move the needle forward. That's strategic on their part. Very much so. And it's smart. They're doing it. The question comes down then. Do you trust them to do it? And do you get credit for it in Battleground Winnipeg? Yeah, that's the key thing. And I thought it was interesting. I mean, one of the points that, uh, you know, that, that you know to echo your point, Bonnie, I think about uh, where Brian Pouster talked about Victoria Hospital, I mean, at one point and saying that this is somewhere where we've gone through that. This has worked. Uh, wait times have come down, and you know, if you're patient, that's going to happen in some of these other hospitals that uh, where there have been ER closures. And so I think that's, um, you know, coming back to that and then talking about the broader uh, issue of, yeah, we spent all this money, but the outcomes were worse. Is, you know, I think that's they're going to try to keep pushing that as a defensive message, essentially. We're doing a record number, and we've invested significantly, a record amount of investment, $414 million more this year than the NDP ever invested. And we're doing a record number But it's been frozen, let's be clear. It's been frozen for the last number, three years. A record, no, it's not true. A it record, is absolutely true. No, it is not. It's, it's in your own budget. Well, no matter budgets. how many times so, Mr. Lamont, you state like it, it doesn't make it I true. Might. Record number of hips, record number of knees, and we're going to improve on that. We're also improving in the drug procurement side and cooperating with other provinces, something the NDP never Canoe, did. Go ahead. Yeah. This is important. Okay, Mr. Again, Canoe. Uh, Mr. Pallister, it's not just about the amount of money you spend. It's about the quality of care that you deliver <coughs> to the patients. And unfortunately, under your time as Premier, you have grown the health care bureaucracy. You added shared health. What we need to do is we need to listen to the experts at the front line, the doctors, the nurses, the health care aide, and we can use technology to replace some of a very... Decision Manitoba 2019, the podcast. On the environment, you would think that the Green Party leader would shine. And the reality is we've created a very unsustainable international recycling stream and we need to create a much more localized economy and inside that is aiming towards a zero waste economy. Did he? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think there were a couple points where yeah, he spoke. He spoke very passionately about it. I think Dougal Lamont spoke, you know, and he, and he echoed what he'd uh, announced earlier in the campaign, talking about his children being afraid about climate change and, and talking about the urgency uh, of that particular issue. Um, I'm not sure it's it's an issue so much that, you know, in our polling, we don't see it moving people as much as, as health care, certainly, uh, and certainly for, you know, um, 
you know, a certain, you know, certain subset of, of voters. I mean, fiscal issues matter more. Um, but I think that, yeah, that was perhaps, I mean, I'm not sure they, that either of them had the strongest debate, but I think those were points when they were talking about climate change where they, they were a little stronger. I'm, I'm not in favor of the carbon tax as a penalty for people driving to work or for heating their homes in the winter, no. Well, you are, uh, but, but, but he have, was in favor we, of it in the last well, election. Well, we'll let him finish and then we'll go to Mr. Bedham and Mr. Lamont. I tried to work Actually, with like Ottawa and I was rejected. Yep. Uh, our view was rejected by, uh, by Mr. Trudeau. But that being said, he said we had the best green plan in Canada and I think he's right. I think um, with all of them, they all talked about that they're concerned about it, uh, that they want to do things. So I think right now that's what everybody wants to hear about the environment. It's not one of those uh, pocketbook issues yet. Decision Manitoba 2019, the podcast. I'm Richard Kluche with Bonnie Staples' line of Changemakers Communications. She's a former film and government communications director and from Probe Research, pollster Curtis Brown. This is an exchange on crime, safety, and the meth crisis. We've invested initially already uh, millions of dollars in uh, opening five rapid access to addictions uh, medicine clinics throughout the province. Some health experts say that part of the solution is a safe injection site. You've said you don't believe they don't work. You've got about 20 seconds. Why don't you believe they work? Well, because not an expert in the world has set up a safe injection site for meth. That's not true. They are set up for opioids, for sure. And I've talked to Premier Horgan in BC, and he feels confident that that could work in their area where there's concentrated use. But in Winnipeg, it's not an appropriate course of action. But that leads me to my question. The NDP has said they want to have drugs more easily accessed by drug users. We want to help people get off drugs. We want treatment. Mr. Kuhn, my question leads into yeah. I'm sure your response. Please. That is part of your campaign to deal with methamphetamine right. is a supervised consumption site. Police Chief Danny Smythe and Marion Willis from St. Boniface Street Links have both said they're not sure, as Mr. Pallister's point, they're not sure that will work for meth, maybe other drugs. Why do you feel, what evidence do you have that that is one of the solutions for the methamphetamine crisis? Well, the reason why we need a safer consumption site is because right now people are using the bathroom at Tim Hortons as their injection site. And I'd much rather see that transferred to a place with health care, with uh, access to detox and treatment. Uh, Jeff, it is used actually in other cities like uh, Lethbridge, Alberta. They're open to both opioid and meth users. Right now, there is a crisis on our streets. And Mr. Pallister is not responsible for the crisis, but he has failed to act. And that has made the situation worse. We need immediate action. That's why we will act within the first 100 days with detox, with harm reduction, and with mental health supports so that we can help the police get back to what they do best, keeping us safe in our community. Can you basically saying you didn't create the problem, but you haven't done enough to deal with the problem, Mr. Premier? And I think the progressive conservatives are, are vulnerable on that issue, are they not? Yeah, I think when it comes to the meth issue in particular, that's something where, yeah, I think that's the point that the NDP was um, uh, in Wapkanoo were trying to hammer home. Uh, but I did, it was interesting. I mean, for me, you know, one of the most interesting parts of that dynamic was watching the discussion about the uh, supervised consumption site and whether or not, because certainly I think there are some very different opinions on that. And I think I think Brian Pallister actually did art, a good job of articulating why they're not in favor of that and why that works in the case of opioids, but not necessarily in the case of meth. I, I thought so too. I you could tell he was prepared for that because meth and opioids and other uh, drugs are very different than um, like a safe injection site. It's very different when you're dealing with meth. Does that debate now leave you wanting more from these four in terms of issues? Um, in terms of issues, in terms of more debates, more yeah. forums. That somehow I feel we just scratched the surface yeah. here, and that there needs to be a campaign over the next couple of weeks that includes 
asking the tougher questions on issues and holding these four accountable. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't, I mean, we've, there's been a lot of discussion about education in the last year. We didn't talk about that at all. We didn't talk about poverty. We didn't talk about Indigenous issues. Uh, yeah, there are, there are a lot of other things that could be talked about, and it's hard to cover all that ground in an hour. And so, yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to get that. Very much so. And uh, we'll see how the other leaders feel. I mean, clearly, I thought uh, Wab Canoe and Brian Palliser handled themselves very well. Um, if I was the Lib or the Green, I would definitely want some, and I would get tighter in my questions and in my points. Bonnie Staples' line of Changemakers Communications, she's a former film and government communications director, and from Probe Research, pollster Curtis Brown. I'm Richard Cluche. A reminder, check out the Promise Tracker at globalnews.ca and cjob.com. Thanks for listening. The News on CJOB with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham.